And now, get growing with Farmer Fred. Talk650andKSTE.com. Here is Fred Hoffman. Well, good morning. Welcome to Get Growing on Talk650KSTE. Farmer Fred here, Fred Hoffman, UC Cooperative Extension Lifetime Master Gardener, garden columnist with the Lodi News Sentinel, the guy that does all the typing at FarmerFred.com, all the ranting at the Farmer Fred Rant blog page at Twitter.com slash FarmerFred, daily garden tips, lots of snark. And what else? Uh, the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page, where there is always a garden dialogue going on, where you can check out my three favorite tips to being a more efficient gardener. Is there. That will save you money. It'll save you time. It'll save you swear words as well. But it took a lot of time and money to figure out those solutions. Find that at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. Here at the Electric Radio Place, we're talking with Juliet Voigtlander. She's here from El Dorado Nursery and Gardens in Shingle Springs, 3931 Dew Rock Road. Are you open today? We are. We're open seven days a week. All right. I think Brendan is there, and I he might be there with Al today. Okay. So, or so, he might be there with Sylvia. All right. What What's going on? What's uh, What are the hot plants in December? You know, uh, cyclamen were pretty hot this December. Um, hollies and osmanthus, barberries, things that looked great. You know, barberries were looking fantastic this year. Uh, camellias are hot right now because they're just getting ready to explode. Mm-hmm. The japonicas, the sasanquas have already done it. Yeah. Um, you know, surprisingly, people are, are doing a lot of gardening, um, privacy screens, People couldn't plant shade trees in the fall. It was still a little too warm, so they're doing it now. And there's nothing wrong with that. The soil is still fine. It's a little on the cool side. Uh, Average soil temps in the valley right now running at 48, 49 degrees. Generally, 50 degrees is the cutoff mark, but frankly, it'll be fine. Unfortunately, there's no rain in the forecast. No, there's no rain. So if you are putting something in that's got leaves on it, you are going to have to make sure that it gets watered. Yeah. Now, having said that, I noticed that in the seven-day forecast, there is a 40% chance of showers on Wednesday. But uh, that 40% means there's a 60% chance it won't rain. And they said showers, not rain. That's even less amount of water falling from the sky. So it'll be a spit, if anything. Uh, What I'm looking at are the low temperatures for the upcoming week. And in the Sacramento area... It looks like the overnight lows, for the most part, will be in the upper 30s and low 40s. So no danger of frost, unless you live in an outlying area. So this is it. Now, all gardening is local, and your climate is local. And even though uh, the guy doing the weather on TV might tell you that the overnight low is going to be 35 or something, in your area, it could be 5 or 6, 7 degrees cooler or 5 degrees warmer. Yeah, it can be, depending if you're in the low spot or a high spot. Exactly. High spots are warmer than cold spots. Which nobody gets that one, but it's really true. Rescue stays really cold. Are they in a little valley? They're in a low spot. Mm. Parts of Shingle Spring are up high on a ridge. If you live by the Cameron Park Airport, you're up high. Mm -hmm. You're warmer. Yeah. The same is true in Folsom as well. Just looking at the uh, temperatures around Folsom that you might find on Weather Underground, uh, all the various home stations, weather stations people have, there is quite the variance in temperature in just a small geographic area. So it, it really pays that if you are a home gardener, know the warm spots in your own yard because in a yard itself, there can be warmer spots. Oh, completely, completely. For instance, if I wanted to plant citrus, let's say I wanted to put in a lime tree, which is notorious for frost damage, if you have especially like a a Mexican lime. 
can you plant a lime tree in our area with what sort of protection? We, we encourage you to put them in pots because pots can be, can be moved. If that's mm-hmm. not an option, um, I have two limes. I have a, a Mexican lime and, and then I have a bear's lime. Okay, the Persian and lime. And yeah. they're closer to the arbor mm-hmm. by a rock creek. So they're the easiest ones for me to cover with a frost blanket. That's important. Um, and, and, and I group like plants together. I have all my mandarins in one spot. I have my lemons in one spot. They're all in the same general area, but they're closer to an area that's under the canopy of a tree and war- a little bit warmer. But I can also just run out there and cover it with the insulate blanket. And the nice part of, of where you live, you're on a hill, so cold air goes downhill. So Yeah, my neighbors are much colder than I am. They're right on, because I'm on the uphill side. Mm-hmm. So right across the street from me, they're closer to Baldwin Dam, and their backyards are colder. That that makes sense. And you have a south-facing front yard. I do. Southeast. So that's nice. Yes. Yeah. It's nice and warm and toasty. Yeah. and But in every backyard and every side yard, there may be an area where tender citrus may thrive. They may still need a bit of protection, but you get a little bit of insurance because of reflected heat off a west or a south-facing wall, maybe a concrete patio is mm-hmm. nearby, uh, any sort of reflective surface or confined area that gets enough light might be the perfect place for a citrus tree. Oh, it's perfect for it, yeah. And we always encourage you, ask us, tell us. We're not nosy. We're trying to make you do it right the first time. Right. Everybody wants to be successful at what they do. You didn't come here to talk citrus or fr- frost or freeze, but we will we go down the scenic bypasses all the time. You know, it, it happens. I, yeah. I know there's some people out there worried about keeping the deer out of their yard. That one came up during the break. Yes, and- indeed. And we will talk about that. And also good holiday gifts for gardeners, maybe a little uh, pruning tip or two, and uh, also um, plants for shade. Yeah. We might uh, run down that list again, too. Pruning is a little bit behind schedule this year because we have had such amazing weather. A lot of stuff hasn't gone dormant yet. I mean, a lot of people, if you're in Sacramento, I can pretty much guarantee your roses are still blooming. Yep. We don't want you pruning them yet. People are sending me pictures of blooming plants, including irises, which for December can be unusual. But there are iris varieties that can put on a show in December. And frankly, in this weather we are having... Why not? A blooming iris. I had a dogwood blooming two weeks ago. Go figure. In my front yard, and I have yellow iris blooming right now. Okay, so it does happen. But they're also in in one of those microclimates. They get the most morning sun. They're up against the concreted driveway and the asphalted street. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit warmer. Now, one uh, person posted at Facebook uh, was taking me to task for criticizing irises. Now, I'll admit, I'm not a big fan of irises. Uh, so say something in defense of irises, and maybe people will mistake what you say for something I said. Um, when you're talking irises, I'm assuming we're talking bearded irises. Correct. Um, I love them. They can take horrible conditions. The mm. deer don't eat them. They're drought tolerant. They can surface root, so they're, they can go in areas that you might not be able to dig, because you don't really bury them. You kind of just lay the little corms or the rhizomes on the surface, and then you just throw a little bit of compost over them. You can just do, dig like a little shallow trough. The, probably the downside is there's a messy time period to them, and they need to be cleaned up. You just kind of cut them to the ground. I rip out chunks of them and give them to people all the time. When is the time of year to cut them back? Usually it's August, but mm. this year they didn't look as bad in August. I just cleaned mine up probably about a month ago. 
Now, one complaint I hear about irises a lot is I've had them in the ground for a long time and they're, they're stopped blooming. What should I do? Well, you need to separate them. You need to get rid of some of the, the clumps. Um, and I have heard I've planted all different color irises in these beautiful patterns and they've all reverted to purple with time. I don't know if the other ones died out and you just couldn't tell or you know, we know that the purple is more dominant mm-hmm. with them. Um, but they're, they're great for a hot, hot area. So maybe every four or five years, dig them out, separate them, and replant them? Actually, all you have to do is kind of cut it to the ground, get down on your hands and knees, and rip out the yucky chunks. (laughs) That's a technical term. Yes, the yucky chunks. Yucky chunks. That was the name of my band in high school, by the way. (laughs) uh, And if you go to replant them, how far apart do you plant the the rhizome corm tube or whatever it is? No, I put them about a foot apart. I don't know. I mean, there's iris people who probably are telling me I'm crazy, but you have to kind of do what works for you with something like this. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and depends on the area you have as well. But there's always plenty left over for your friends. Oh, God, there's there, always. There's your holiday gift for gardeners. Yes. <laughs> Iris corms. Yeah, there's a bucket of them on my front porch. Whoever yes. needs them. <laughs> All right. Juliet Voigtlander's here from El Dorado Nursery and Gardens. Got a garden question? Give us a call. 916-576-1578. Or toll free, 866 866- 331-8255. Email. Send it to fred at farmerfred.com. Mike Murray is here running the board. He wants to talk to you. Call him. It's Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. With Juliet Voigtlander from El Dorado Nursery and Gardens in Shingle Springs. We're answering your gardening questions at 576 1578 in the 916 area code. Or if you want to dial a different number, 866 331 8255. And silly me, nobody dials anymore. Or, or shoot me an email. Fred at FarmerFred.com. And, uh, Juliet, some of the emails coming in have to do with deer. Uh, One person wrote in, I think it's Wade, who said, Fresh blood meal will keep the deer out if you water, must be reapplying. So, yeah, that's the key with if you're using something like blood meal is that if it rains, it needs to be reapplied. And how effective is it? What do you sell for deer repellents? At El Dorado Nursery. You know, deer repellents, and and this is where you really need to go to an independent nursery. We sell the deer repellents that we know have been effective in our area. Sometimes a deer repellent in the Shingle Springs, Placerville area will not be as effective as the deer repellent as one that you might get up if you say, like if you live in Auburn or Newcastle. Different herds, different smells, they do things a little bit differently. Hmm, And we know this from carrying product and saying and having customers come back and say, you know what, it doesn't work. And then trying a different product, and it worked. Um, it's not a super great study, but but we have been effective with it. Right now, probably our best bet is um, we use the liquid fence. Deer repellents work if they are used. So deer repellents don't work if you put them in your shed and you don't use them. Um, and that's what most people will say, well, I tried it and it didn't work. But you have to train the deer that your yard is not a buffet. So you pick the neighbor you don't like and you let them go eat at that neighbor's yard. Yes. Um, and, and that's how repellents work is they, they're a deterrent. They don't like the smell, so they move on. I know people have done all sorts of things. They've hung Irish spring soap or human mm. hair or 
animal pee-pee, dog feces. Well, what is liquid fence? What's the Liquid idea? fence is um, putrid egg solids, garlic, um, and in how they work is they're neutralized, so we don't really smell it after the initial application, mm-hmm. but a deer's sense of smell is so much more acute than ours. So the first day, you're not going to spray it the day you're having a dinner party and you're going to be sitting outside. You're definitely going to either wait till after the party or a couple days before because it does have a little bit of a lingering smell, but that's what makes them work. If it's a heavy, rainy season, you need to apply it more frequently. Do you have to jump in the shower after you apply the stuff? You know... Um, we had a UPS driver who broke a box on himself, and we wouldn't let him in the bit in the business. <laughs> and he had to go home. He he could. Yeah. I mean, it was horrible smell. Um, you, you definitely want to wear old garden clothes and gloves, and you know, and take a good shower. Do it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Okay. And again, uh, is that a product that if it rains, it has to be reapplied? They say um, that it will last through the rain, but I think that that's probably a little bit sketchy on how much rain we get. Yeah. Um, this time of year, all bets are off with a deer. They don't have a lot to eat. They're going to eat anything. They're eating things that they're not supposed to eat. Um, so but use them. You know, you're not, most people aren't entertaining outside right now, but you want to, the idea is don't get lax. We don't want them to think, oh, well, I can eat in their yard December, January, and February. You don't want them in your yard all the time. Just get them out. Fence. Do you have to apply that product as a perimeter around the entire perimeter? I'm curious how deer move in that if they sense something they don't like, do they turn around and go the opposite direction or do they circle your property looking for a way in? They usually follow the same pathways um, and they'll eat very specific areas of your yard, usually areas that they feel more comfortable. Um, Some people will apply it as a perimeter. The company Liquid Fence itself recommends that you spray the plants in the area that the deer are eating. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a product called Deer Scram that was a granule Mm -hmm. that you could do as a perimeter of your property. And the idea was they didn't like the smell because they walk with their head down. They nibble, they get it. They don't like it. They turn around and go the other way. Um, We sold it. It was successful for a while. And then it stopped selling. So we don't carry it anymore. Different herd moved in. (laughs) Very possible. You know, and a lot of times someone will have a deer problem. They've had a dog Mm -hmm. and then they the dog dies, old age, whatever. It takes about six months for the deer to realize that they can go back and eat in your yard, which is why you really need to use the deer repellents on a consistent, regular basis, because we don't want them. If When you get lax, they get in. Well, that brings up an interesting question. Let's say you have a dog and you apply the liquid fence. Does the dog like to roll in that stuff and then come running back into the house? Usually because you're spraying it on the plant, no. Okay. Um. No, I haven't had people say that. I mean, usually they like poopy things. Okay. Well, yeah. It, dead things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you have a dog that, that it always gets into something stinky, then you might be sure you let it dry for a day or so. Yeah. Before you let the dog out in that area. Or out free run. Yeah. You know. Good luck on that. Yeah. All good right. Tough one. To the phones we go, 576-1578 or 866-331-8255. Teresa down in Ripon, how are you? Pretty good, thank you. Thanks for calling. Yes, and thank you for your program. Sure. I was wondering if there's any citrus that can be grown in Santa Rosa, you know, mandarins or oranges. Uh, probably all of them. Oh, yeah, I'd say all oh, of they them. they can. Yeah. And now, Santa Rosa does get a little bit on the cool side. I've been noticing that the overnight lows lately uh, in Santa Rosa have been around the freezing mark, around 32, maybe 30 to 32 degrees. It really depends what part of Santa Rosa you're in. 
but generally speaking, it might take a little bit of protection. It might be the large Christmas tree lights. It might be uh, a frost cloth uh, okay. to protect the plant. But generally speaking, especially mandarins, because mandarins uh, actually are quite cold hardy. They're hardy down. The fruit is okay down to, I think, 26, 27 degrees. Yeah. Okay. And also, do you know what's going on with the cactus that have the little white... Um you know, almost like a bacteria kind of like thing. Is 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 there anything that you can put on the cactus to you know, stop that? What sort of cactus are we talking it's about? It's the one with the big, uh, the big uh, round. Okay, opuntia probably. Yeah. It, it, does it get like little red uh, yes, fruit on yes, it? Yeah. Yes. That would be the opuntia. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but uh, it seems to me I recall vaguely somewhere in the fog of my mind reading something about that, that there was some sort of opuntia problem. Uh, going around. Okay. Any ideas on that, Juliet? Have not heard anything, but up in, yeah, no, have not heard anything on that one. Okay, well, we'll do research on that one. Okay, thank you so much. All right, thanks for calling, okay, Teresa. Appreciate now. it, yeah. Okay, bye-bye. What are some of the plant problems you're hearing about now at El Dorado Nursery? Um, you know, right now, stuff is pretty calm. You know, the most of the bugs have gone away. I mean, snails are still active no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have not had a lot of pest problems. Um, there was a little bit of powdery mildew that hit the blue oaks yeah. and put people into a panic because they looked terrible and they thought they were dying and they primarily dropped their leaves and then pushed out some new ones. Um, and that was just that kind of May-June rain that we had. But haven't seen a whole lot. Um, I noticed working in my own yard the other day, I was cleaning up agapanthus and there was some kind of cottony cushion scale down in there that I just kind of smushed them. And, um, but I would say right now snails is probably the only thing that we're hearing anybody really complaining about. That and, you know, squirrels, tur- I mean, you got to group your pests together there. You know, to uh, put a nice, pretty little red bow on this conversation over on the KFPK Garden Show, we were talking about good plants for shade, and you mentioned Virginia. And Virginia is an excellent plant for shade that uh, can take over very fill in an area, if you will, in some of the deepest shade. But as we pointed out in conversation off the air, it's a snail hotel. It is a snail hotel. And since I have many, many linear feet of Virginia, um, I kind of do what I call like the Juliet stomp. (laughs) And I kind of go through it. It's such a tough plant. And when the old foliage dies back, it gets very crunchy. And I kind of stamp all over the area with my feet. And then that does kind of take care of the snails. But I also do use diatomaceous earth as a dust. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, if you guys are using diatomaceous earth, it's a great thing to use, but be sure you wear a mask because right. you don't want to breathe those little things back in your lungs. Now, if I recall correctly, the diatomaceous earth you use would not be the same one you would put in a pool filter. No, this is a finer grade. Yeah. Um, I think with sharper edges. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's very effective. You don't get to see the dead snail trails like you do, but but you'll see a huge decrease in snails using the diatomaceous earth. I use it around my agapanthus also. All right. Back to the phones we go. It is Peggy in Santa Rosa. Hi, Peggy. Hi. Hi. What's up? Um, I have a question about bearded iris. Okay. You were talking about how they reverted back to purple. My question was, is I had moved to another house, and I had taken my bearded iris with me. And each year, they seem to be more purple. Is that what's happening with mine? It could be the soil, too. It could be the pH of the soil. Okay. That might change the color of the flower. But Julia has a, a quizzical look on her. 
Yes and no. I mean, I I've, have bearded iris in all different areas of my yard and customers always come in and they say, oh, you know, I put in so many different colors and that they've reverted. And I, I don't know. I'm not a bearded iris person. It's not my specialty, but I know that people, whenever someone comes in, we always say, well, they're just kind of reverting to purple. Um, hmm. But I mean, like right now I have yellow ones blooming in my yard in an area that there's all purple ones, but I know that I put yellow ones in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I and know I, I put different colors in, and a lot of mine are now purple, and I was wondering, have the purple taken over, or, you know, I just didn't know why. Yeah, maybe they don't but, revert, and maybe the purple takes over because it's so strong. Yeah. I don't mm. know, Fred's on the computer. Yes, I'm trying to figure this one out, too. Um, I think yeah. what we'll do is take a break, and maybe I'll sound smart after the break. Okay. Oh. All right, we'll do that. Peggy, thanks for the call. Okay? What? Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right. We'll take a short break. More get growing on the way on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Welcome back to the program. Let's uh, think a little bit more about why irises turn purple. Juliet Voigtlander is here from El Dorado Nursery and Gardens in Shingle Springs, and we were tackling that question for a listener in the last segment, and um, we became very smart in the last five minutes and uh, have determined that there is no one good answer. <laughs> no, there's a million answers out there, and, yeah. and let me stand corrected. Re- reverting is probably not the right word. Um, so what we're kind of getting from the general consensus is that the cultivars, some are stronger than others, and the right. purple being one of the strongest. It's like the Spartans of the iris family, I guess. And they probably take over the bed more, weeding out, kind of like when you have weeds versus things you want. Yeah. Um, we did like the comment that a child probably was playing in your garden bed and dropped purple iris um, rhizomes in other areas. We we both had to kind of laugh at that one. So I have three children who gardened with me. Yeah. And pretty much they were never out of my sight in the garden, and I don't think that they did it well, ever. Well, here, here's why. According to one site, a neighbor may have tossed unwanted rhizomes over the fence into your yard where they took root. Nah, pretty sure that didn't happen in my front yard either. <laughs> All right. But as you pointed out, certain cultivars are far more vigorous growers than others. And if it's in a bed that you haven't thinned out for a long time, uh, the more vigorous growers will choke out the less aggressive irises. Oh, completely. Over time, yeah. And then there's the question of bee pollination, too. It, this one uh, site says, your original irises may have been bee pollinated within the last few years. The seeds from those crosses may have ripened, dropped, and germinated among the original plants. And now you have a bunch of new seedlings blooming within your original clumps. That seems hard to believe, but I guess it's possible over time. Yeah. Uh, now, it know. could be a, a sport may have developed, like in roses. Well, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. I mean, there's. I have some peach irises that have never bloomed, and you know, I, I really wanted them to bloom. And But then I do have an area that I didn't put any purple ones, and I do have a purple one. That's probably the neighbor. I bet she did it. Yeah, over the fence when you weren't looking. It's in the front yard. She right. ran up in the middle of the night and tossed it there. No, it was me riding by on my bike. That's true. Could <laughs> have been just, you. And I just threw them in your yard. Yeah. Try to get rid of them. All right. Uh, now, this one site does say, here is how you figure it out. You get it all sorted out by placing a tag around each bloom stock to identify its color. 
Then dig and divide all the rhizomes six to eight weeks after bloom, replanting each color separately about two feet apart so they don't crowd each other out too soon. Remove any seed pods that may form before they have a chance to ripen to avoid a repeat of this problem in your garden. You know, for a no-work plant, that's a lot of work. I was going to say, kind of defeats the purpose of a plant that is no very, very little work. Yes. Yeah, no. So if you have a life and nothing else to do, I guess you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. For uh, I'm sure they do that at iris gardens. You don't find many iris gardens anymore. There used to be plenty in Sacramento. Yeah, no. I think there might still be one up in the Shingle Springs, Cameron Park rescue area. There was one called like Beautiful Iris or something, yeah. but no. Yeah, you just don't see them much anymore. No, it's kind of The property's sad. more valuable. I think so. Yeah. All right, let's delve into the email you've been sending to Fred at FarmerFred.com. Shirley writes in and says, what is the best spraying schedule for pluots and other vegetable garden plants to prevent aphid problems during the growing season? Well, uh, basically, when you see the aphids, uh, you spray, and I'd spray water. I would spray water, and the key to water is you need to do it consistently. Mm. And so if you don't get wet after you did it, you probably didn't apply enough water. (laughs) And it does need to be a thorough spraying, like three days in a row to kind of wipe out the population. And then again and again and again, Um, you know, usually we don't find the aphid problem until it's gotten out of control, which is what, you know, we really encourage you to walk through your garden with a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or a soda or whatever, peaceful, looking to see what you can find. And they would be on the underside of the leaves. Or up against like buds and Mm -hmm. things or inside the broccoli. And but but prevention is better than, you know, trying to really catch it before it becomes a big problem. Yeah. Yellow sticky traps, are they a good monitor for aphids or not? I know they are for white flies, but I'm not sure about aphids. I don't think so. I don't know about the aphids. Um, But just a stroll through the garden with your garden hose with a good spray jet on it. It doesn't have to be a real forceful spray, but a consistently strong spray. I like the old-fashioned brass nozzle that you can turn and sort of adjust the spray to it. And uh, go after the aphids that way. And like you say, you have to do it two or three times a week in order to knock down the problem and yeah. give the beneficials uh, a chance to take over. And this is why we like watering uh, over applying especially systemic chemicals to control aphids in a garden situation is those systemics are going to kill off the garden good guys. Oh, completely. completely. And, and, and a lot of times people don't understand that, especially with aphid, one of the garden good guys is the ladybug, but the ladybug's juvenile form looks like a mean, mean guy. It looks like, I always say, an alligator wearing a San Francisco Giants warm-up jacket, sort of black and orange. Yeah. And it looks like an alligator. But but that's your teenage ladybug. And if you've ever had a house full of teenagers, you know how quickly they can clean out a refrigerator. And teenage ladybugs can clean out uh, an aphid problem quicker than the adults can. So before you get crazy and, you know, running around trying to find a chemical, do a little tiny bit of patient gardening and and look at your tree. I mean, crepe myrtles, aphid love. Mm -hmm. And this year I just had them covered. I think everybody did. But I had tons of juvenile ladybugs hanging out there. So I did some spraying, but I also made sure that I didn't wipe out that population of the good guys. Right. Back to the email. Steve writes in, and this is a trick question. How do you get rid or kill squirrels? 
That's a really trick question because some of them are protected by law, the gray squirrel. That's the tree squirrel, isn't That's it? That's the tree squirrel, yeah, the ground nice squirrels. big gray and fluffy one. The but ground. the Folsom police keep telling me I can't fire my gun in city limits. Well, there is that one. Yeah. Um, the squirrel population is crazy right now. I mean, I, I have greyhounds, and you would think they would eliminate my squirrel population, but they have not yet. Um, and they taunt you. you know, they, they're really smart little buggers. You know, anything that you would put out that would be a poison is dangerous to everybody. And your pets. And your pets. Yeah. Um, and it's illegal to move things that you capture. Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't really catch and release them. Um, you know, I know when it becomes a bigger issue is when they're getting in your house that you really need to call a, a pest control company right. to be sure that they get out. They don't go in your attic and underneath your house and all that. Um, you know, I tell people, try anything. The reflective tape. I know people who hang CDs. Remove some of their ways of getting around your yard, which means you might need to limb branches a little bit away from fences mm-hmm. so they don't have as a clear shot of jumping. Um, the ground squirrels have become super aggressive and they're even kind of going up in trees. Yes. Um, don't feed them yeah. thinking that, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing is clean up bird feeders. Do not leave mess on the ground. Good point. Um, mm-hmm. Don't feed them. Some people will try using like the scarecrow, which is the water jet of water to, to shoot them away from their yard. Now, if you're worried about protecting your tree fruit, you can put bird netting over the tree, but that netting has to reach the ground and it has to be secured at all points around the tree yeah. on the ground in order to keep them out. And if you have a garden that they're getting into, sometimes a, a, a nice little hoop system and row covers that is secure on all edges can keep them out. Or at yeah, least they're, they're tenacious. They will get in. And, and and so you have to be diligent. Yeah, we've all seen the public TV specials and how acrobatic deer, or not deer, but squirrels are. Yes. As far as what they will do to get food. And it's amazing the gyrations they will put their body through to get somewhere. <laughs> so, uh, hey, good luck with that one, Steve. Yeah. Uh, although I have trained my puppies to a certain extent. Like I know the radio may be on in the house and they may be upstairs snoozing on the couch. And so if I just yelled out, squirrel! They will take off running down the stairs and go out back and go to the fence. Dang, you better come over and do that with my greyhounds. <laughs> but so it, all it does is frighten the squirrel off. But I figure, hey, if I can keep if all I need to do is yell squirrel and the dogs take off and go outside and bark against the fence and it moves the squirrel away. That helps. It's kind of that whole deterrent thing. Yeah. <laughs> Let them eat at your neighbors. Right. We'll get to more of your questions that you're phoning in at 916-576-1578 or 866-331-8255 as we continue with Get Growing. Don't forget a garden grappler coming up after the news at 11 o'clock. Clue available at FarmerFred.com. Clue available at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page as we continue with Get Growing on this December the 17th right here on Talk 650 KSTE and KSTE.com. Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Welcome back to the program. Fred here. Juliet Voigtlander is here from El Dorado Nursery and Gardens in Shingle Springs. And maybe you're doing a little holiday gift shopping this weekend. How about something for the gardener on your list? How about a nice pair of pruning tools? And, and, a nice pair of pruning tools is a great gift. It really is. And I, the key is, and we talked about this during the break, your pruning tool needs to be your tool. So people in relationships who might share tools, 
your pruner needs to be for your hands. I don't use the same pruner that Chris uses. I don't use the same pruner that my son might use because my hands are different shaped. Um, I use an ARS pruner, which we don't carry at the nursery. Um, And that's a bypass hand pruner. It's a bypass hand pruner. And I also have an ARS um, pruning saw that I Mm -hmm. use. Um, But right now at the nursery, we have Felcos, which are nice because they also come in left-handed because Mm -hmm. my son is a left-handed. So he prunes differently. Yeah, right. Um, and they have different sizes, so they fit your hand. And then we also sell a Baco pruner, which is also a Swiss-made pruner. Um, it's not as expensive, but the quality is pretty good on it. They can be sharpened. They can be cleaned easily. And we carry different sizes for your hand. So we always encourage you to feel it, squeeze it um, we don't, we don't really let you cut stuff with it. but And if you like to prune, but maybe you have a little bit of arthritis or hand pain or your hand is just sore after a day of pruning, Felco makes a pair of bypass pruners, the F7s, and the F7 has a rotating handle. And it's, it's an acquired taste. Some people love it. Some people don't like it. I happen to like it because the handle sort of rolls in your hand as you squeeze, so there's less pressure on your hand. And like I say, some people like it. Some people don't. Try yeah. it out before you buy it. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of it. it. We don't carry them anymore. Okay. Well, um, I we... still use mine. But uh, the, their standard one is the F2, which is a good guy pruner. And then I think their smaller one is an F6. I may be wrong on that. but uh, Yeah, I'm not sure. I yeah, but to. anyway, you can go. That's one of those tools you don't buy at Amazon. You go and try it and hold it yourself at a nursery or a garden center, just to get the feel of it. Make sure you do like it. Well, and the key is to use the right tool for the job. When I go out to prune in my yard, I usually have a bucket with me, and I've got a handsaw. Okay. I've got large pruners. I've got loppers. I have two different length loppers, um, one for reaching, one for cutting closer. Um, you want to be sure you're not trying to cut something too big with your loppers. If you mm-hmm. can't easily start to get it across, you probably should get out your pruning saw. I use a pruning saw that has blades both directions. So each cut forward and backward cuts through it. You want a nice clean cut. You don't want these tears. You know, you always do the undercut, which for people who don't understand that you cut up on the underside of the branch and then start to cut down a little further up on the branch. So you make that undercut at about um, going through about a third of the under branch and then go out a little bit from that and start from the top. And then when that branch starts to break, as it breaks, when it comes to that little slit you made in the bottom, it'll stop ripping. Right. Because right. if you didn't make that little bottom cut, when that big branch started to fall, it would rip off the bark and may go down to the trunk. That's why you make that undercut. Right. So, nice. so it falls cleanly. Right. And, you know, I, we, having had an employee who fell off a ladder and is finally back at work, um, we really, really encourage you to prune safely, wear gloves, wear eyewear, um, use a ladder on a very level, level surface. <laughs> Um, and if in doubt and you're not comfortable pruning, come in and talk to us. So we will be more than happy to find someone to help you or to help you ourselves, um, give you some guidance. 
Okay. <laughs> you just well, have, you just filled up your work day. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't do that much pruning myself anymore because of my, my hands. Um, I prune all my own stuff, which is a lot. But no, I, I know guys who prune all the time, and yeah. they love to do it, and this is a great time for them to do it. The other strategy is don't let your fruit trees get taller than you can reach from the ground. Well, and you can accomplish that by doing your summer pruning, That's which right. is you know another show that we talked about. Yep, yep. and we'll do that probably in the summer. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Let's go to the phones. Pam in Loomis, thanks for calling us. Hi, Pam. Hi, thank you. Thanks for being there. Hi, hi. Um, I I have a question about staking my apple tree. And, um, you know, we planted it in an area that was uh, not enough sun. It gets some sun, but it's starting to lean. So I, I don't know what to do. It's really too big to move now. And I've heard that Staking isn't the best for the tree, but I'm not sure what to do if you have any suggestions. Oh, that's that. When did it start leaning? Well, I don't want to tell you that because then you'll tell me that I should have moved it a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it wasn't yesterday, was it? So it's not leaning because the soil is unstable. It's reaching for the sunlight, which is different than leaning, right? Oh, that's what I think. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good to know because if it if it was a case of it started fall or leaning yesterday, I would have you look at the soil to make sure that the tree hasn't been uprooted. But if this is just a case of it searching for sunlight, then yeah, yeah. you're right. We'll tell you to move it. Oh, okay. <laughs> or or if it's in an area that you can limb up another tree to give it more sunlight, that might be an option too. But it's always going to try to get the sun. I mean, apple trees like sun. Okay. Yeah, All that's, right. that's that's the issue. So maybe if there are nearby trees that are causing it to be under shade and you own the trees, maybe you could prune them up a little bit to allow a bit more light to get through. Okay. Okay. We'll go that route then. So, so the staking is just absolutely not going to be good for the tree and is not something I should do. It well, it, like. if it's if it's leaning looking for light, it's always going to be looking for light. Yes. Okay, got it. So, and depending on how old the tree is, can you really effectively pull it straighter? Yeah. It's it's oh, still yeah. going to okay. keep doing that. Okay. All right. Now I feel silly for even calling. No, no, no. no. That, that, and, a, you know, the other thing is if you're if it's full of apples and it's leaning over, you can use, um, you know, a fence board to help stake it up if that's the problem. Yeah, two by four to prop up a, a leaning branch so the branch doesn't break. This goes back no, to thinning done. fruit. Now, that, that might be another solution, too, is in early summer or late spring, whenever you start seeing fruit developing, is to thin it out so the fruit is perhaps six inches apart or so. Okay, yeah, and it's the sun, so... Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll be trimming the other tree, I think. I, I had two other two other um, comments about what was said earlier. Number one is, I don't know if you know of Horton's Iris Farm. Yeah. Um so anyway, you were saying there's not many iris gardens anywhere, that, and this is acres of gardens. And they're in Loomis. Acres of iris. Yeah. 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 And they're, are they on Valverde, or where are they? Um, it's on King Road. King Road. Okay, King it is Road on and King Penryn Road. Road. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, because I have ridden my bike. I know when I'm saying it, I go, yeah, I just rode by one. I can't remember where it was. Yeah, and that's, yeah, yeah out on King Road in Loomis, yeah. Yeah, Horton. So Penryn exit to King Road, and then they're right there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then the other thing is when I see aphids on my apple tree, <laughs> they come. Um, I just get a bag of those ladybugs, and um, they they clean it right up, and then they fly away, and the tree's happy, and the aphids are gone. Well, so. whatever works for you. <laughs> yeah, thought I'd mention it to other listeners too. So sure. Okay. Thanks, Pam. Thank you. Thanks All right. so much. Okay. Bye. 
Coming up, it's a garden grappler, a chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred prize closet. There is a clue available at FarmerFred.com. There's a clue available at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. Juliet Voigtlander from Eldorado Nursery will stick around and be judging the quality of your answers in order for you to get a prize. And, of course, with the garden grappler, first five callers to get a, get a prize. I want to make sure. Mike, are you ready to write down all these people that call? You're set? Okay. All right. Mike is ready there in the control room to write down names and addresses. And, of course, Caller 5 gets a bonus prize. That's the beauty of uh, being Caller 5. But, as you know, you can't repeat an earlier answer in the Garden Grappler. So have a backup answer, too. We'll get to the Garden Grappler right after the news. And thanks for listening to Get Growing. Don't forget the show is available as a podcast from the iHeartRadio app or KSTE.com. It's Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Welcome back. It's Garden Grappler time. Your chance to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred Prize Closet. If you're up on your cutting knowledge, your pruning tool knowledge, you just have to be specific. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the little animals gathered there by the light of the electric radio, here's today's Garden Grappler question. Name a pruning tool. But be specific. Don't just say pruners. No. Name a pruning tool, but be specific. It's not necessarily a, a label you have to mention, but just the style. And there's plenty of styles. I think, we, Juliet, we probably mentioned five or six in the last segment. Oh, yeah, easily. Easily. Juliet Voigtlander is here from Eldorado Nursery and Gardens in Shingle Springs, and she'll be judging the quality of your answers that you phone in to 576-1578 in the 916 area code, 576-1578, or toll-free, if that really matters anymore, 866-331-8255, 866-331-8255. Mike Murray's running the board. He's going he's gonna to be talking to you and writing down names and addresses that will get the first five callers on the air. If your answers are correct, you win a prize. If you're the fifth caller with a correct answer, you get a bonus prize. So especially caller five, better have a backup answer just in case. All right. Fair enough. So, Juliet, our job now for the next 10 minutes or so is to talk about something where we don't mention any pruning tools. So I guess maybe we'll talk about holiday gifts for gardeners and maybe uh, get somebody interested in miniature gardening. Um, I think it's a great way to get people interested in gardening. Um, primarily, we noticed a lot of one our children. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are, you know, moms coming in with their homeschooled kids and they're working on stuff, or just regular kids coming in. But we're getting a lot of seniors who have left their fairly nice size yards where they gardened, and you know, and maybe as they got older, they didn't garden as heavily, but they still want to get their hands dirty and they still want to be out in the yard. So. Your miniature gardening is a great way to work with a smaller environment. Um, They can be done in containers. They can be done in a window box. They can be done in an elevated planter for someone so they don't have to bend over. They can be done in sun. They can be done in shade. They can be changed out seasonally. So Um, explain the concept here. I mean, this is also known as fairy gardening. I'm not sure why it ever got that name. 
maybe you can tell me why. Well, it primarily started out that people would, you know, they believed that fairies were woodland and that fairies do nice things for people, kind of like gnomes. They do nice things for people. And so it's kind of mythical, kind of fairy tale-ish. Um, but most of it is not so much fairies. It's really people who want a garden and they want to do it on a smaller scale. They don't want to be pruning large things with unnamed tools. Um, and, and so it's, it's done on a smaller scale. You can do it with regular sized plants, keeping them smaller, hence the bonsai of things. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can do it, some people can do it inside and not use any live plants. We sell fairy garden stuff for that too. Um, for maybe someone who might not have a patio, might be in an eschaton type situation or some of these um, really nice retirement homes where they still want to garden and they can't garden outside. And when we talk about these miniature gardens, these are themed gardens because there's all sorts of other accoutrements to it. It's not just plants. You can have little figures. Oh, you can have fairies. You can have mermaids. You can have gnomes. You can have dinosaurs. You can have dragons. You can have... Army men. Army men. Yay. You could garden with Barbie and Ken. Um, well, you that could, would be a big garden, wouldn't it? Well, no, you still have to be kind of to scale. I mean, you can't have a Coast Redwood in your Barbie garden. No, but isn't Barbie eight or ten inches tall? Oh, she, she's still small. Okay, but you'd need a bigger area in order to properly display her. And you? some people don't use any figurines at all because they're not into fairies. They're not into gnomes. But the idea is they create it. Kind of think of the Hobbit. Yes. Hobbit, you know, Hobbit holes were very popular. People were putting little doors. Actually, if you ride the bike trail where you ride, we found a Hobbit door on a tree the other day walking the dogs (laughs) out of the blue. Chris said, that looks like a fairy garden. And it someone put it there. Um, I don't know who did it. I loved it. It was a a big smile for me. There are people who now visit the bike trail and they're decorating the conifers that are adjacent to the bike trail with Christmas tree ornaments, which is nice. It's, it's <laughs> well, what would be nicer is if they were doing it with edibles for the animals. Uh, well, uh, yeah. That's, but no, that's okay. All right. Um, the uh, but So anyway, the, the what is the general diameter of these miniature gardens? It's in a tray or some sort of round bowl? So when we do a basic class, we use about a 14-inch round pot, mm-hmm. um, usually on the more shallow side because we need it to be movable. For people, Um, we've done them in the 24 by 36 raised planter boxes. I've seen them done in milk crates, plastic milk crates. Hmm. Um, You can use um, the old wooden, they look like packing crates. You can get them at, you know, Michael's and places like that. You can pretty much use anything. I've seen it done in old watering cans, water troughs. It depends on what scale and how big you want to get. With it. So these could be either outdoor or indoor gardens. If they're going to be indoor, we want to be sure we get plants that can live indoors and they're going to be in a bright, sunny window. Um, You know, I know people who will just stick the little plants in the pot in the garden Mm -hmm. so they can pop them out as they get bigger. You know, you can buy little tiny treasures and they're plants that come in little two-inch pots. And you just kind of slip those in there. Let's talk about the variety of plants that would be good for an indoor situation and the requirements they need as far as light goes. But first, let me remind people, we're in the midst of the garden grappler. Name a pruning tool. Be specific. Name a tool that you'd use to prune plants with. But be specific. It's easier than you think. 576-1578. Unless Mike broke the phones... Or 866-331-8255.
unless he broke that one too. But I don't think so. 576-1578 or 866-331-8255. Name a pruning tool. Now, miniature gardens, indoors, what plants work best? Indoors, you could use um, houseplants, things that take lower light conditions, um, cactus and succulents, as long as you provide drainage with them. And, you know, when things are indoors, it's a false environment for them. Um, I've seen people use African violets, violets, and they've grouped them where they create like a flowering hedge with it. Mm. Um, Ivies. Uh, you could use herbs, times, and things that mm. people put in a sunny windowsill. You can use all of those kind of things. I would think yeah. if it's in a sunny windowsill and it's a it's a herb situation that you have, and that's a nice idea. You could have a jungle. You could have little miniature elephants running through your herb jungle. Uh, you'd have to rotate it. You do. Yeah. You are. I mean, just like any house plant that's you know in a sunny window, it needs to be turned. Right. Um, and and that's just common sense and. Um, but, you know, you can also do it. You can find, a f- I have seen them done in bedpans, the old enamel <laughs> bedpans. I have seen people do that. I mean, if anybody does Pinterest and you Google fairy garden or miniature gardening, a million things come up. But when we, we try to make sure that it, it's movable because soil can be very heavy. Um, or if you're working with a senior that has mobility issues, that it could be put up on a garden table or something for them so they could work at mm-hmm. it. There are people who change them out with the holidays. You know, we have little, we have one little cute fairy one that has a clothesline, and it's very popular. We have fairies of every... Are there little clothes hanging on the clothesline? Yeah, there's clothes on the clothesline. <laughs> we have fairies of everything. We have fairies of all different colors. We have boy fairies. We have girl fairies. We have chubby fairies. We have princess-looking fairies. We have dinosaurs of all different colors, and... And, and it's great for the kids. They get to spend a few dollars, and it gets them interested in being outdoors. We have kids that do it in their yard, too. Like, they have a small corner of their yard that someone says, you know what, do what you want with it. They might have gnomes. They might have squirrels. Army men? Army men. I imagine okay. army men. All right. Okay. Army men. I mean, maybe we did this when we were kids. We used to build forts, and we used army men. And you threw rocks as bombs, but, you know, once again, my mother never knew about that, so don't listen in, Mom. (laughs) All right. We'll take a short break where you're in the midst of the Garden Grappler. But why do I think Mike broke the phones? 576-1578 or toll-free 866-331-8255. Name a pruning tool, but be specific. If you don't, Juliet takes home the big prize. Just the way it is. Here on Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Welcome back. Garden Grappler is on. Name a pruning tool, but be specific. 576-1578 in the 916 or 866-331-8255. And win a prize. Juliet Voigtlander is here from El Dorado Nursery and Gardens in Shingle Springs. She will judge your answers. First up, it is Jim here in Sacramento. Jim, go ahead. Give us a pruning tool, if you would, sir, please. How about a hedge trimmer? How about a hedge trimmer, Juliet? Yeah, I'm going to say yes on that one. Okay, yeah. That's sort of a, like big scissors. Well, or it could be an electric hedge trimmer. Well, don't give away another answer, Juliet. No, that one wouldn't count. We already said the word hedge. (laughs) No more hedge things there, guys. All right. Good answer, Jim. Okay, great. Now, now did Mike get all your information as far as address? 
I think he did, yes. Okay, all right. Fine. And then in that case, then I will be uh, sending you a couple of good handouts from the folks at the University of California IPM, how to control ants in your house. Oh, okay. And also and, and my own uh, pruning roses, California style, because rose pruning season officially begins with the first family argument on Christmas Day. Ah, okay. That's where, Very you, good. where you go out to the yard to basically, so you don't accidentally say something you shouldn't say. All right. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Jim, good answer. Thanks for calling. All right. Thank you now. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. So we got that, and then Clydine disappeared. <laughs> we're, we're, we are having technical issues with the phone today. There's no question. Oh, well. It's not Mike's fault. Don't look concerned, Juliet. I'm okay with it. All right. Okay. Fred said he'll give out his cell phone number so you guys can call in if the phones don't work. Yeah, what's the temperature in hell right now? Is this still <laughs> above freezing? <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. Why don't you give out your own number, like the Eldorado Nursery and Garden number? Well, I'll give you that one, yeah. 530-676-6555. And there is a website. There is a website that is defunct. It, but it's there. Well, it's there. No, but it is there. It yeah, is ElDoradoNursery.com. There. Yes, it is and there. And then there's a Facebook page, which mm-hmm. is Eldorado Nursery Facebook. Okay. And uh, the nursery is still at 3931 Rock Road last Not time I looked. Not going anywhere. Still right. there. The goats and the lamb are still there and the chickens and the cats. and Right aft, off the um, take, Poindexter exit, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, Ponderosa, Ponderosa Road, exit 37. Yeah. Yeah, not, just not make a right, out. make a right. You can't miss me. I back up to the freeway. All right. Good idea. All right. Back to the phones we go for the Garden Grappler. Tina in Carmichael. Tina, go ahead. Give us a uh, pruning tool, if you would, please. Okay. I don't know what came before me, but I'm going to go with a lopper. Okay. I'll give you a thumbs up on that one. Yeah, yes, and keep your thumbs intact. Yes, good. <laughs> really good. Good answer, Tina. So I'll be sending you the uh, information from the UCIPM folks on ant control and my own pruning roses California style coming your way. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks, Tina. All right. Bye. So we've got hedge trimmers and loppers for two of the five answers we need for today's Garden Grappler in which people who are calling us are naming a pruning tool. Caller three in today's Garden Grappler, it's Lynn in Alta. Hi, Lynn. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. So what what uh, cutting device would you like to mention? Okay, this is for fine trimming a little pair of scissors. Well, yeah. Juliet? Yeah, I mean, we some people do call them thinning scissors okay. instead of thinning something else. So, yeah, I'll give you that one. Okay. Now, this isn't for thinning out weed, is it, Lynn? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Nothing. I'm making a bad joke. Uh, I know. But, so am I. Yeah, yeah but okay. you're not using regular scissors for this. We want to be sure people get that clear. We're not using no, no, fabric scissors like or it. paper scissors. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, maybe yeah. for the small little flowers. Yes. Yeah, tiny little, little flowers. Tiny little flowers. Thinning scissors. Correct. All right, all. Lynn, I'll be sending you whatever I told Jim and uh, Tina I'd be sending them. Well, I'm glad I could join them. I'm glad you could, too. Thanks for calling. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, where do we go from here? Let's go to Judy in Sacramento. Hi, Judy. Hi, Fred. How so, are you today? I'm fine, Judy. So what uh, pruning device would you like to mention here? Pruning saw. Hmm. Hmm. 
Julia? Yeah, I'll go with pruning okay, saw. Okay, yeah, there's all, all sorts of pruning saws. Yeah, there's quite a few of them. Yeah. And you didn't say, like, lumber saw. Yeah, or thank not, you. I'm not our... Or a uh, carpentry saw or, yeah, or, uh, or table jig, saw. Jigsaw. Jigsaw, yeah. All right. So I think you know what you're talking about. Okay, Judy, good answer. I'll send you the uh, pruning roses California style that you could use with a pruning saw. And uh, the uh, information on ant control from the UCIPM folks. Do you have anything that controls uncles, too? Uh, thank you very much, and I'll be here all night, yes. Uh, okay. Thank you. I just need to give my particulars to your... Oh, okay. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yes, I'll put you back on hold, Judy. And um, I'll make sure Mike gets all your pertinent information. And the way to control uncles is you don't serve them alcohol. That's right. Well, happy holidays to you. <laughs> happy holidays to you, too, Judy. Let me put you back on hold here, and Mike will get all the pertinent information. Clydeen and Galt, you're back. Hi. Hi. The technical gnomes are playing havoc with our phones today. I'm glad you could yeah. uh, get back in. Thank you. All right. Did Mike get all your information about addresses and all that? No. Okay, so I'll put you back on hold, too, if you have the right answer, because you're caller five, which means, since you live in Galt, if you got an answer that isn't a pruning saw, thinning scissors, lopper, or hedge trimmer, I have for you from the fine folks at the Sacramento County Master Gardener Office, their 2018 gardening guide and calendar. Oh, nice. Wow. So, Clydine, go ahead and uh, give us a good pruning tool answer. Well, I had a pole saw in mind. Hmm. Yeah, pole saw is pole a saw. saw. Okay, yeah, yep. And it is. It, it's different than all the other it, yeah, ones. Exactly. It's a saw on a pole. Is it, yeah, yes. for short people. Yes, thank you. Yeah. All right, good. But hey, that works, Clydeen. So I'll be uh, sending you the uh, 2018 Master Gardener Gardening Guide and Calendar. And tell everybody at Galt Rayleigh's I miss them. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> okay. You have a Merry Christmas. All right, you too. Thanks, Clydeen. Oh, wait a minute. Right. Let me put you back on hold, right? Okay. Yeah, right. Big, so Mike can get all the pertinent information you need. There. The phone's worked. Hooray for us. You know, one of the ones I was thinking and I was where we were going to go if they said was a ladder. How is that a pruning tool? Well, because we have what's called orchard ladders. Yeah. They are specifically for pruning. So it, it's a tough one. I mean, because you really want to use the right tool for the job. So you use an, an orchard style ladder when you're up there pruning. I could it, see it for using it for knocking the fruit off that's too high to reach. No, I use my orchard ladder all the time. Okay. Oh, you're right. I did not specify that it's a cutting tool. Yeah, you I did just not. said I just said name a pruning tool. Well, in that case, I could have said scabbard, too, would be a good answer. Well, no, because that's what holds the tool. It's not really the tool. Well, it's still a tool you might use in pruning. Which is much better than putting them in your back pocket. Yeah, you know, that fear has always been in my mind. If I'm on a ladder, do I really want pruning shears in my back pocket? No. No. No, you do not. No. And you really don't want them in your back pocket when you go sit in your leather upholstery car seat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have not done that, but a very, very dear friend has done it twice now. Yeah, I can, I can see that happening. Yeah. That's why maybe a good holiday gift for Gardner might be a little uh, holster for your hand pruners. A holster, yeah, or yeah. like a, a nice tool belt. Yeah. One of those big, thick leather guy tool belts. Oh, why not just a pruning shear holster that you can stick in your back pocket? <laughs> that's true. That's true. I always mine goes on my front pocket. Okay. Um, yes. Because I don't want to sit on pruning shears. Yes, but again, 
don't sit in a car with it. No. Yeah. No. But anyway. I do keep a pair of pruning shears in all of my vehicles. I do too. <laughs> I, I have. They're in my console, and you never know when you're going to need to prune something for somebody. And uh... so I was cleaning out my wife's trunk the other day of her car because. In modern-day tire technology, when you get the warning on your dash that there's a tire with low pressure, one of those tires with low pressure might be the spare. And I've discovered this to be true when the four tires on the car were fine, and that left only the spare. And sure enough, the spare was low on air, but the warning light still comes on. So that means Hmm. taking everything out of the trunk and getting down to where the spare is. And I noticed cleaning out her trunk that that the trunk included a 1979 edition of the Sunset Western Garden Book. <laughs> oh, well, you know, <laughs> Which that's... is something else a lot of gardeners carry with them wherever they go. Yeah, I don't do that anymore because you have your phone. Yeah. Um, but I will say of the garden books, it, it is probably one of the best. And you never, ever, ever get rid of your old copies. Right. Because uh, they're always adding and subtracting plants. Well, there used to be at one point like 10 pages of junipers. <laughs> and now I think there's like maybe one. Yeah. Plants um, fall out of favor. They fall, but sometimes you still need to know. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there is another book available. I think it may be out of print, but it, you can usually find it on a place like Amazon. And it's the Sunset National Garden Book, which is sort of like the Sunset Western Garden Book, except it divides the entire nation up into various zones. Now, obviously, it doesn't have as many plants for a specialized area, but it's still a very good general reference book. The problem in 2017 is trying to find it. But sometimes there are used books available on certain sites. Yeah, that would be one. Sometimes you, they, you come across them in thrift stores and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, the other one, I really like the Sunset Western Garden Problem Solver book. Right. That's a great book. Yep. And uh, they have a good book on Western landscaping and also mm-hmm. a, That's good, a, great one. a good book on vegetables, too. Which, they do. Yeah. They do. So if, you, if you're still into book mode for a gift giving, those would be good choices. Those are good choices. They are good choices. They Two really of my are. favorites um, from American Horticultural Society, one is called Plant Propagation, and the other is called Training and Pruning, or Pruning and Training. But those are two very good reference books as well. There used to be a great little pruning handbook that was a required book at um, Sierra College, and it's just a little, it's about eight by six, and it's just called the Pruning Handbook. From, I think, 1935. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but it nothing's changed in it. It's great. It's like little line drawings in there. And we were, the other day, tearing the office apart trying to find it because we're getting ready to do pruning classes. <laughs> and we couldn't find it anywhere, but we found it online. All right. Good. El Dorado Nursery and Gardens is at 3931 Dew Rock Road in Shingle Springs, open seven days a week, online at eldoradonursery.com. The proprietor and happy gardener, Juliet Voigtlander. Thanks for spending part of your day here. Thank you for having me. It's always fun. Good. When we come back, we're talking with Warren Roberts out at the UC Davis Arboretum, finding out what's putting on a show there. When we continue with Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Subject to prior sale, excludes tax and license, $7,000 total net savings off MSRP after $4,000 retail customer cash and $3,000 dealer discount. At least five units available. See dealer for details in 1224 It's year-end sales event time at Elk Grove Ford. Armstrong and Getty here with a screaming deal on 2017 Focus Sedans. How about $7,000 net savings off the MSRP for a final price of $18,245? How much better does it get? A new Focus under nineteen grand, and you're working with the best folks we know in the car business. Elk Grove Ford in the Elk Grove Auto Mall. Elk Grove. 
Mark Haney here, the Haney Biz Project, Saturday morning at 9. This week, Paul Porter of Premier Pool and Spa shares his story of becoming the nation's largest pool builder. Lance Loveday will bring the story of Entrepreneurs Organization of Sacramento, and we will answer the question every entrepreneur needs to know, when is the right time to go all in? I promise you a ton of fun, some lively conversation, and answers you can use in your world today. The Haney Biz Project, Saturday morning at 9, brought to you by the human resource expert, Kim Silvers at Silvers HR. This is Matt. And I'm Colby, your host of Money Talk on KSTE. Have you been procrastinating about planning your financial future? Tune in this Saturday and every Saturday at 2 p.m. and learn the two biggest mistakes investors and retirees are making and what you can do about it. We'll give you a hint. Most people are not prepared for the headwinds of rising interest rates and don't have a properly built retirement and tax plan. If you're concerned, like many, that this could be you, call us for a complimentary risk analysis at 916 916- 229-8329. That's 916-229-8329. Don't spend more time researching your next vacation or your next TV purchase than you do planning your financial future. Give us a call at 916-229-8329 or visit us at our website at alpharw.com. And tune in every Saturday at 2 p.m. for Money Talk on KSD and listen to how we expose the dirty little secrets of Wall Street. We'll see you then. Hi, Helen. You coming to lunch today? No, I can't find my red jewel. Oh, okay. Helen lost her jewelry. Oh, you know what? Helen is probably playing Jewel Quest on iPlay.com. Hi, Helen. You meeting the girls for dinner? No, I'm busy with a new romance. Oh, okay. What is she doing tonight? Helen says she's with a man? Oh, she's playing dark romance on iPlay.com. Helen, it's bridge night. Want to come over early? Lucky seven. Come on, baby. Show me the jewel. Jackpot. Gucko. What? What's going on? Helen is in Las Vegas with her new boyfriend, and he has her jewels. Helen is playing Las Vegas Casino on iPlay.com. Download iPlay.com for free to your PC and start your own adventure. You can choose from over 2,500 games. It's fun, easy to use, and if you like it, the low monthly payment lets you play as often as you want. Have pain you can't ignore? Then try first-in-class relief from Salon Pass. Salon Pass pain relief patches have everything you need in one clinically proven solution. They're the strongest label pain reliever available without a prescription. Safely relieving pain for up to 12 hours. And Salon Pass is the first and only FDA-approved OTC topical pain reliever. For first-in-class relief, get Salon Pass pain relief patches. In the green box with a blue wave. For many businesses, hiring is tough. You want access to highly qualified candidates fast. And you don't want to sign a long-term contract or pay upfront fees. That's why you need Indeed.com, delivering six times more hires than any other job site, according to independent research. Indeed is offering new users a $50 credit to give their first job post premium visibility as a sponsored job. Redeem this offer at Indeed.com slash credit. That's Indeed.com slash credit. Terms, conditions, and quality standards apply. Help kids in our community and donate to the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Sacramento. Right now, drop off warm coats or toy donations at any of the five Sacramento area Meta Automotive locations. Help the Boys and Girls Club with your donation right now at Meta Auto Group. Make a great deal at Meta. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. 
Every month, we like to talk with Warren Roberts about the plants that are putting on a show at the UC Davis Arboretum. Warren is the superintendent emeritus out there, loves to take strolls through the Arboretum and tell us uh, what looks interesting, what's blooming, what has interesting bark, interesting color, interesting form. But there's never enough time during the KFPK Garden Show to get through all his plants. So we drag him back on the radio every month over here to KSTE to finish off the list. So if you want to hear what Warren had to say about some of December's plants uh, earlier today, but you missed the KFBK Garden Show, you can listen to the KFBK Garden Show podcast, either via your iHeartRadio app or at uh, KFBK.com. You can find more information or your favorite third-party podcast aggregator. But here on Get Growing, let's finish off the list, uh, probably K through Z or something like that, because Warren, I, I think uh, the next plant on your list just might be one that's in my front yard and putting on quite a show, the Nepophia. Yes, the Nepophia Christmas cheer, a poker plant that dominates the, any garden it's in as far as its uh, spectacular nature uh, this time of year. It's a gorgeous and, plant with those spike spear like blooms. Yes, it's, yeah, the very, very, uh, this is one plant that doesn't flop <laughs> when it gets tall. And the flowers are a brilliant golden orange, very very cheerful plant. The Christmas, uh, because it's usually in bloom by at Christmas, and cheer because it's very cheery looking. And if you don't uh, like climbing ladders to put up put up Christmas lights, you can always just plant some nepophias, the Christmas cheer, and you're done with your Christmas decorations outside. <laughs> That's true. You could. Well, another plant that is showing Christmas color is the uh, nandina, the um, sacred bamboo um, nandina domestica, with its red berries. And a number of form, most forms of Nandi, they have red fruit. A few occasional uh, ones that have kind of ivory-colored fruit, but uh, bright red fruit. And there are some at the same time that are showing fall color. Nandina domestica is one of the most useful uh, <clears throat> landscape plants, I think. And it's really tough. Uh, my folks had a place in Palm Springs, and it did fine there. Not in full sun, but it uh, really is a very tolerant plant. There are some that uh, creep underground a little bit, but you can look up lists of the different cultivars and choose which one you want, different sizes, whether it has fall color and whatnot. Pelargonium cytoides. Uh, now, this is a pelargonium that it is, uh, when most people think of geranium, uh, they're actually thinking of pelargonium. But this pelargonium is low-growing, pelargonium cytoides. And I don't know if of uh, the common name in English... We call it, well, we call it garnet geranium because the flowers are like rich um, uh, purple-red garnet in color. Uh, a rather low-growing plant with gray foliage and from South Africa. And it's in bloom now? It's in bloom now, yeah. And uh, it, uh, when you have a good frost, it'll stop blooming, but it's still in bloom. The Chinese pistache, pretty much the, fla the leaf... Uh, um, show is over, but if you have a female Chinese pistache, you'll probably notice the the bright red fruit clusters. Now, there's a this is a kind of an interesting story because uh, usually we in the past we didn't want the fruit clusters because it produced a lot of fruit, which uh, was kind of a mess and also a bit made the tree a bit weedy. But somehow there was a, a parasite introduced 
that uh, destroys most of the embryos in the uh, in the developing fruit. And but the inflorescence itself, the structure, and the the uh, parasitized fruit are bright red, quite spectacular. It's kind of towards the end of that show right now, but. But it's uh, it really makes the tree more useful. So it's, it's really rare that you have a parasite that improves the garden worthiness of a of a plant. That's interesting. Uh, that the fact that those berries could hang there and look like berries and get plucked off by the birds. The birds then distribute those berries around, but they won't germinate because basically the innards are have been destroyed. That's right, and and the. The, the fertile or the um, intact fruit are kind of turquoise blue. It doesn't really show up from much of a distance. But uh, the, the red um, aborted uh, fruit is really beautiful, beautiful bright red. Hmm. So that, so um, you don't have to worry about uh, um, getting a, a male plant anymore. A female plant does, does really well. Now, this isn't fake news, is it? No, no, this is... <laughs> This is real. This is a real McCoy. Okay, I don't know who McCoy was, but anyway, okay. Roses are still looking good. Gosh, you know, I, our hybrid roses are such a they deserve their popularity. I, I looked out into the uh, the store garden at the arboretum, and uh, dozens of roses in full bloom still. So some have not some have not uh, bloomed again as much. But most of them are, and some of them have red, uh, orange, and red hips, and there are even some that are showing some fall color. Uh, if you like roses, you picked a good, you picked a good subject, and they do really well here, especially since we don't have summer rain, so we don't have the summer disease. Some salvias are looking, still looking very good. Salvia chemidrioides is a low-growing salvia from Mexico, and uh, sometimes I think it's called the, the blue Mexican salvia. And the flowers are pure blue. It's rare to find true blue in uh, garden plants, but that this is one that you can use. It only gets about a foot tall, um, and or a little bit more, I guess. The beautiful blue flowers, the long blooming period. The blue Mexican salvia, the salvia. C-H-A-M-A-E-D-R-Y-O-I-D-E-S. And you, you can pronounce it sort of just like it looks, chamadrioides. Uh, Salvia darcii is still looking good. Red flowers, the triangular leaves. Um, like a bit of a sprawling plant. Sometimes it's useful kind of growing up through other things, but beautiful bright red flowers. Salvia lucanta, the Mexican bush sage with its purple velvety flowers. <clears throat> Although there are other forms, uh, the typical form has a, a <clears throat> part of the flower is white and part of it is purple. But the most common one in the trade now, the whole flower is purple. And it feels like velvet when you touch it. Mm. There's also a pink one available too. So keep finding new new varieties. The Salvia lucanthum. Lucantha, Salvia lucantha, the, um, the Mexican bush sage. Another Mexican plant that's spectacular right now is a type of marigold. It's uh, sometimes called the Copper Canyon daisy, Tagetes lemoni, L-E-M-M-O-N-I-I, and it can get about shoulder height sometimes, but um, beautiful, uh, bright golden yellow flowers in, in great quantities. So the two of those together, purple and orange, you can't beat it. <laughs> All right, yeah. And two cream fruticans, the um, blue-flowered form 
They're looking beautiful right now. Eucrium fruticans looks kind of like an olive seedling, but smaller. And then it has the, this uh, Azurium cultivar has beautiful blue flowers. So we didn't quite get to Z, but we got to T. <laughs> and uh, that's pretty much it, much it for the most spectacular things. But there's lots lots more blooming. There's a couple of hundred plants I made a list of. And I b- bet come January 10th, there will, even in the dead of winter on January 10th, there will be plants in bloom at the UC Davis Arboretum that you're going to be walking around and showing people at noon on that day. That's right. There's just lots of color. And I didn't go into too much about bark color, but in the wintertime, that shows up more. There's always some people that get something colorful going on in the UC Davis Arboretum. And if you have relatives visiting for the holidays, what a great place to take them for the day and do a nice stroll through the Arboretum. It's free. It's open seven days a week. And, of course, Warren's Walk with Warren on Wednesday, January 10th at noon is also free. That's right, and we have a wonderful plant sale coming up on the 10th of March. All right, at the UC Davis uh, Teaching Nursery. That's correct, and that's right near where we have our walk, too. Okay, and then, of course, there's follow-up sales after uh, the March 10th big plant sale. So if you uh, fall in love with a plant uh, that you see at the Arboretum on a upcoming walk, chances are they'll have it for sale at the plant sale on March 10th. That's right. So we look forward to seeing you all. I, I look forward to meeting you and to seeing friends that, that visit again. That'll be on the 10th of January for the walk and the 10th of March for the sale. And for more information, you can visit their website, arboretum.ucdavis.edu. Always great to spend some time every month talking with the Superintendent Emeritus, Warren Roberts. And Warren, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you. And the same to you, Fred. Thanks a lot. You're listening to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. I love the classic songs. Welcome back. Happy holidays to you. It's Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Uh, let's uh, run through some garden events that are happening. Uh, maybe you're going to be uh, going out and doing a little uh, choosing and cutting of your own Christmas tree. There are at least two lots here in uh, Sacramento County where you can do just that. Venture into the man-made forest, so to speak, and hack away. One of them is kind of interesting. It's a certified organic Christmas tree farm. And supposedly it's the only certified organic Christmas tree farm in California. It's Billy's Farm Fresh Cut Christmas Trees on Dillard Road in Wilton at 8430 Dillard Road. And uh, they and Davis Ranch are both members of the Sacramento County Farm Bureau Federation. Davis Ranch, the other place in Sacramento County, not too far from Billy's. Davis Ranch, of course, uh, where you go get your corn in July out there on Jackson Road in Slough House. They are a Christmas tree farm where you can do choose and cut this time of year of varieties such as Doug Fir, Monterey pine, incense cedar, and uh, redwoods as well. And they also have some pre-cut trees as well. So if you want to do a little hacking away and then um, join the parade of dead conifers on Jackson Road heading back towards Sacramento, the trees tethered to the tops of Ford Focus and Toyota Corollas. All right. 
Uh, what else is going on? Um, good garden gifts for the holidays include a Master Gardener Gardening Guide and Calendar. There is one for the foothills. There is one for the valley. The one in the valley is produced by the very own Sacramento County Master Gardeners. And you can find it at various retail locations throughout Sacramento County, including three of the Green Acres stores that are in uh, Sacramento County, Elk Grove, Folsom, and Sacramento. The Plant Foundry at 3500 Broadway, Pow Nursery in Wilton, Sheldon Ace Hardware in Elk Grove, Soilborn Farms in Rancho Cordova, Tallini's Nursery on Folsom Boulevard in Sacramento, Galt Ace Hardware, Fair Oaks Boulevard Nursery, Amy Hardware has it as well. And uh, maybe you have uh, gardening relatives in the foothills and you want a nice garden gift for them. How about the Placer County Master Gardener Gardening Guide and Calendar for 2018? Available at Foothill Area Nurseries throughout Placer, Nevada, and uh, El Dorado Counties, including uh, the uh, two Green Acres stores in Rockland and Roseville, Fowler Nurseries, uh, High Hand Nursery in Loomis, Oto Orchard in Granite Bay, uh, Flower Farm Nursery in Loomis, El Dorado Nursery in Shingle Springs as well, all carry the uh, Placer County Master Gardening Guide and Calendar. It's a nice calendar. You can hang on the wall. Beautiful pictures in both instances. And both of these calendars also great tips on what you need to be doing in the garden on a month-to-month basis. I highly recommend them for the uh, gardeners on your shopping list. All right. You know, the farmers markets in Sacramento County do not close down in the wintertime. There are year-round Sacramento area farmers markets, including the big one going on today. And you got 10 minutes left to get there <laughs> at the state parking lot at 8th and W Streets. They're open every Sunday from 8 until noon. There are other all-year farmers markets in the area of the California Certified Farmers Markets. The one at the Sunrise Light Rail Station at Folsom and Sunrise is open all year, and they're open on Saturdays, as is the Elk Grove year-round farmer's market at Laguna and Bighorn. The Arden Arcade farmer's market on Saturdays is open at Country Club Plaza all year. And uh, there are others that aren't necessarily certified farmer's markets, but they're still good farmer's market, like the Folsom farmer's market, on Saturdays. Another all-year... Uh, one is the Thursday Farmer's Market at the Florin Sears store at Florin Road and 65th on Thursday. So if you're looking for some farm-fresh produce to be serving uh, for some of your holiday meals, consider some of the farmer's markets that are open year-round in our area. All right. Now, beginning in January, there's going to be a lot of classes going on. There's going to be pruning classes at various nurseries, uh, workshops, and things like that. One of the bigger ones is the Green Gardener at Home series. It's a 10-week series of classes that start January 16th and will be held at the Roseville Utility Exploration Center at 1501 Pleasant Grove Boulevard in Mahaney Park in Roseville. And it's, it's for the home gardener. Now, they have another series of classes, the folks at uh, uh, the Roseville Utility Exploration Center and uh, other groups have ones for pros, but this is for homeowners. And you'll have a landscape that's water-wise, healthy, and beautiful. It's taught by master gardeners, landscape professionals, and other experts. It covers sustainable gardening practices, how to improve your soil health, select plants that are right for the climate, how to design and maintain your landscape, how to use rainwater as a resource and prevent water runoff. This series of 10 classes will be held on Tuesday evenings, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. 
January 16th through March 20th. There is a fee involved. It's not that much, really. $55 for Roseville residents, $65 for non-residents. And again, it'll be held in Roseville on Tuesday evenings. For more information, you can call them at 916-746-1550. 916-746-1550. Or visit the Roseville Utility Exploration Center website, roseville.ca.us slash explore all right and as uh, the garden events pick up for january and february especially uh, pruning events and planting events uh, we'll be sure to uh, get those mentioned on the air if your uh, group is having a uh, get together like that a pruning planting class or whatever uh, send me the information to fred at farmerfred.com try to get it to me two weeks in advance so that i have plenty of time to translate it and get it into a format that i can post on the farmerfred.com website and by the way you can find all this information i just talked about also at farmerfred.com all right uh one more look at the weather before we have to wrap stuff up here it's for the week if you're unfortunately there isn't much rain in the forecast there's a 40 percent chance of showers on wednesday that means there's a 60 percent chance it won't so I think we're looking at, unfortunately, another dry week. And it's been dry. There's no question about that. Uh, our uh, rainfall for the year stands at about 2.6 inches, which is only 53% of normal. By this time, 4.9 inches uh, should have fallen, unlike last year when we almost had 10 inches by this time last year. But it's dry. But the plus side of this, the soil is still easy to work. It's not too muddy. Temperatures aren't in the freezing range, and looking at the seven-day forecast, overnight lows are going to be in the upper 30s to low 40s for Sacramento. Now, in the outlying areas, it may get cooler, it may get down to freezing, but we're looking at a fairly mild system or a ruggedly resistant ridge that's parked itself over uh, the West Coast that is just keeping it, unfortunately, a little too sunny and a little too mild, but that's just the way it is. So highs in the 60s. For the coming week, upper 50s, low 60s, and overnight lows in the upper 30s to low 40s for the coming week. All right. Hey, what's next? I know. It's the KFBK Farm Hour. What am I? No, it's not. It's the KSTE Farm Hour, Fred. We need a KFBK Farm Hour. But we'll settle for the KSTE Farm Hour for now. I hope you can listen to it. We have a good show for you planned uh, between noon and 1 o'clock on uh, today's electric radio. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, some of the damage done by the Thomas wildfire to the state's avocado and lemon crops down in Southern California in Ventura and uh, Santa, San, Santa Barbara counties. And uh, kind of interesting, the fire isn't causing as much damage as the winds. So we're going to see a, a rather big hit to the California avocado crop uh, from that area. I mean, it is a, a small portion of all that's grown in California, but still, it look, it's not looking good. Anyway, uh, we'll talk about NAFTA, too, and maybe there will be a last-minute deal. And also, we'll take a look at the state of California's Christmas tree industry, a seasonal business that's a full-time job with an aging workforce. So that's coming up noon to 1 o'clock here on the KSTE Farm Hour. Uh, reruns next two weeks. I'm on vacation. Have yourself a great holiday season. I'll be back January 7th to talk rose pruning with you here on Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Thank you for listening all these years. I appreciate it. Without you, there would be no garden shows. Bye-bye.
If buying a new car has you in a pickle, put a lid on it. Just listen to Jerry Reynolds on the Car Pro Show. It's straight talk and honest answers from the inside. Saturday from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. only on Talk 650 KSTE. This Christmas, Santa has a new helper. Alexa! That's right! Ho, ho, ho! Let Santa be your DJ this holiday season with Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa, talk to Santa Claus. And Santa will select the perfect holiday station for you. With thousands of holiday songs, Santa's got the soundtrack for your season. You can also listen to North Pole Radio, hosted by me. The most wonderful time of the year. Made even better with iHeartRadio. Alexa, talk to Santa Claus. With True Car, you can see what others paid for the car you want so you can recognize a great deal. True Car users on average save over $3,000 off MSRP. For new or used cars, visit True Car for a more competent car buying experience. From the Meta Automotive Group Studios. Online at metacars.com. Talk 650. KSTE. Rancho Cordova, Sacramento. 